And welcome to Full Rigor, a Florida true crime podcast. I'm Karen Curtis. And I'm Jennifer Ross. Well, today's episode, we're going to talk about a chilling story. This woman is from Jupiter, but this happened in Miami-Dade in 2002. Okay. And you might remember the daycare rapist. Oh, geez, yeah. 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 Anyway, she was 31. Her name is Julie Weil, and she is an amazing person in that she took something absolutely horrible, being raped multiple times in a van with her two little children, one and three years old, watching. And she turned it into something positive. It gave her a purpose in life, what happened after this. And you know what? Give this woman credit because I don't, it, were it me, I would have just rolled up and died. Oh, me too. I don't know how she did what she did. It is every woman's worst nightmare to be raped, but to be raped in front of your children and they were made to watch. That's horrible. I mean, there's no other violation that cuts her woman's soul as deeply as being raped, and that's horrific. And Julie Weil now is uh, saying that she was carjacked while buckling her kids in the car seats. What have I always told you? You did. When are you you the most vulnerable? We talked about this with the Bokikio situation. When you're putting a kid in a car seat in the backseat of your car, your back's to everything. You can't see what's going on. I'm telling you, car seat people, developers, need to develop one that doesn't put you in such a position. That has like a monitor on it, shows who's behind you. Something. I don't know. But get this. She was in the parking lot of the Presbyterian Church preschool picking up her kid. Oh, jeez. She's at the church, and out of nowhere, she was charged, hit in the head, and tossed in the vehicle. And then the guy turned the radio on really loud to drown out the screams of her and her children. And he goes, do you believe in God? She's picking her kid up from daycare at the church, right? She goes, of course. He goes, well, good. Then you're going to forgive me for what I'm about to do to you and your children. (gasps) Oh, this poor woman. How horrific. This is like evil on two legs. Yeah, well, he takes her and the kids in the van to the Everglades. Oh, dear. Yeah. And I recently sat down with Julie Weil, and she tells us everything right now about what happened with her, the rape, and then what she did afterward to make sure that these types of people are caught. So let's listen to what she has to say. Julie Weil. I just have to take a breath. Her story is so compelling, and she has done so much to help other rape victims. She is a rape survivor. Her story starts in 2002, where she was hit over the head and taken by a man when she had her two children in the car, one-year-old and a three-year-old. She was picking them up from daycare, and he raped her multiple times in front of her kids. I just can't tell you how much your story has moved me. And what you've done since then is just so powerful, Julie. You live in Jupiter and you are actually behind uh, House Bill or SB 636, which is Florida's rape kit law because there were thousands of them that were untested. And then also you founded the Butterfly House. That's the county's first in Palm Beach County, Centralized Sexual Assault Response Care Center and Wellington Regional Medical Center. You want women to come forward when it happens because what you said, 704 women were raped last year in Palm Beach County. You think there's like 4,000 rapes? If you extrapolate it out to what the reporting versus non-reporting rate is, you know, the numbers are really closer to 4,000. But it's amazing to me that 704 women. That's two a day, right? A rape here in Palm Beach County, to the police. Um, And it doesn't make the news every night. And people don't talk about it. And we live in this bubble. And and not that I'm here to pop the bubble and let 
but I do want to let people know this is happening on a daily basis in our community and that there's a place to go. There's services after. It's free. The assault, everything is free. Everything is confidential. And the most important thing I like to tell people is that our county has embraced what we call the Start by Believing campaign, which means that everybody who works in sexual assault from law enforcement all the way, you know, to the attorney and the advocate and the therapist, everybody will come at you with an attitude of belief. Like if, hey, my car was stolen, I believe right. you, right? So <laughs> right? I was raped, I believe you. Right, you start operating from that position instead of trying to poke holes in people's stories or doubt them. And were you ahead of me too with that? Yeah, a oh, long wow. time ago. Oh my gosh, that's so <laughs> 15 <awesome>. years ago. <laughs> wow, so here we go. So Me Too is helping you. Yeah. Yes. I just want to get a little nutshell of what happened to you in 2002, especially with the children. And your attacker is behind bars. He's got seven life sentences. Yes. <laughs> uh, it's such a weird story with this guy. He's kind of an attractive uh, white guy. I mean, he's, right? Yeah, Very he's weird. just somebody who wouldn't raise a red flag right. if you saw them, thus dispelling the idea that rapists look a certain right. way. I was shocked when I saw his picture. I mean, in everybody's minds, I don't know, through the media, uh, you know, rapists look a certain way. They strike at 2 a.m. when you're, you This know, was daytime. Walking. This was 12 noon at my church preschool, you know, half a mile from my house. A normal-looking 41-year-old man with four children. But still, in that courtroom, in that moment, perception is everything. His parents were sitting there in the front row. He dressed very nicely. His father, ATF, the mother, yeah. is like the, at your church? And uh, the, no, the, he, uh, he had told me during the assault, during the day that he had me, that his mother was a prostitute, that his father was a John, that he grew up on the streets addicted to drugs, and that he picked women like me from church preschools. You were the fourth, right? I was the fourth woman that oh. he had abducted um, because we had, or my children had the life that he wished he had had. You know, this minivan mom who, you know, <laughs> took her kids home from lunch and cut the crust off their peanut butter and jelly. When in fact, his mom was a church secretary and his dad was an ATF agent for the federal government. Wow. So he was a normal guy, grew up in a normal middle-class family. But what he did to you was not normal, especially what he made you do involving your children. Um, I was just picking up my son or picking up my daughter from preschool. I had my eight-month-old son with me and we were going to pick my daughter Emily up and we had lollygagged a little bit. We had gone to the church bookstore. We talked to a friend in the parking lot. Um, And as soon as my friend drove away, I was bent over buckling... um, my son into his car seat when just somebody came out of the blue and hit me over the head as hard as they could. It felt like they had hit me with a brick, but what it was was the end of a six-inch butcher knife. Oh, my gosh. And um, drew the blade across my neck as my daughter's screaming and trying to get out of the car. She's how old, three? She's about three and a half at this point. She had unbuckled herself from her car seat because she was old enough to do that. Um, She was trying to escape. And he kicked her back into the car. And then he drew the blade across my neck. And he said, if you don't want your kids to die, get in the car. And then he said, don't make eye contact with me because I will kill you. And um, then he asked me the strangest question. He asked if I believed in God. And he said, then you're going to forgive me for what I'm about to do today to you and your two kids. And I'm telling you, in my heart at that moment, 
I knew he didn't just want my minivan or money or it was bad. Like yeah, that. it was going to be really bad. And he proceeded to take me to my house. He wanted guns. He took my ID, drove to my house. He said he had just gotten out of prison and was looking for guns. And I didn't have any guns. So he, he beat me quite thoroughly. And then, um, not to be graphic, but uh, forced me on my knees in the van to perform oral sex on him in front of both my kids. He called my daughter up, had her sit in the passenger <gasps> seat of the car. Um, she's three years old. And she's sitting in the passenger seat while he's driving like a madman. And I'm being forced to perform sex acts on him. And uh, he took me out to the Everglades. And over the course of a day, raped me every which way from Sunday, um, multiple times. He took me to ATMs. He took money out of our checking accounts. He threatened my kids. He, he made you look at your kids during He made this. me look at my kids during the assault. He held a, a blade on my daughter while I withdrew money from the church so that or from the bank so that I wouldn't yell for help. And um and then he let you go. And after playing like a cat and mouse game with us that he was going to um kill me, he laid me flat in the middle of my van with my daughter on one side and my son on the other side. Um and he just pressed this knife into the back of my neck and played with my hair and he asked my daughter, Should I kill your mom? Oh my Should I goodness. kill your mom? And you know, when you're three and a half years old, you think your answer makes a difference. So she's screaming, don't kill my mommy, don't kill my mommy, don't kill my mommy. And she's screaming. And at that point, I just blacked out from fear, from the exhaustion of being raped and beaten all day. And uh, the next thing I do, she was screaming, mommy, mommy, get up, get up, get up. He's gone. We need to go to daddy's office and um, we need to get, get help. Her. You just heard just the god-awfulest story about what happened to Julie Wilde in 2002 in Miami-Dade County. Her rape is behind bars. That's the good news. There's also more good news. You've actually, there's rape kits, women that have come forward, they've gotten yes. the rape kit, and they haven't been tested for DNA, and their rapist is out there, <laughs> so you got a law passed. Yeah, can I talk yes. a little bit about yes. uh, rape kits? Uh, I know it's in, the, it's in the news a lot right now. Um, back in 2010, I started advocating for this. I was invited to Capitol Hill, to speak to a Senate subcommittee on crime and drugs. Uh, the purpose of the panel was to talk about why rape is the most under-prosecuted and under-reported crime in America. Well, 73% don't report, right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, what's even more staggering is that 97% of people who rape go free. Only 3% ever spend a single day in jail. 3%. I don't know that we want that out there. And... Um, well, and, and the goal now is to let's turn the tide. Why is this happening? Why are we not seeing more prosecutions? And a lot of it comes from the fact that people get into the system and either they aren't believed or they're treated in a fashion that makes them feel re-traumatized and they fall out of the system. You know, they don't, they, they can't hang in there for the prosecution because quite frankly, the system hasn't been very nice to them. And it's easier sometimes to just go home, close the door and say, I'm just going to deal with this on my own. Well, the other three women that he raped didn't want any part of it. So all of his life terms are based on what he did to you. Yeah, all seven life sentences are based on three for the armed kidnapping and then one for each time he raped me. But what was amazing to me is as I was at this this meeting in Washington, um, I was made aware of the fact that this, what happened to me and the treatment that I got afterwards, I was taken to a rape crisis center. My rape kit was tested in a timely fashion. Is that how they got them, the DNA? 
Uh, yeah, that is so, how they got him. And what's weird is they were not able to find any DNA on my body. I know it's... I don't get that. Did he um, wear a condom? No, he didn't wear oh, a condom. that's weird. Yeah. Oh. He, yeah. <laughs> am I allowed to say? I Whatever. Um, but he disp- he disposed of the DNA by making me swallow all the oh, DNA I got in you. the case. Okay. He burned off his prints. He shaved all his body hair. So there was no trace of him. But when he took me to the bank and I put my shirt back on to take out the money, a tiny bit of DNA transferred from my lips onto the shirt. Oh. And um, a few days later, they, they ran the, the DNA very rapidly which is unusual, yeah. especially in the city where in Miami where, you know, crime happens all the time, I hate to say. Um, but when they ran it, they realized it linked to other rapes. And that's because they had also tested those kits in a timely manner and they were already in the database. Well, when I was in D.C., I was um, educated on the fact that there were at the time 400,000 untested rape kits in the country. That's inexcusable. And... And as I sat there and I thought about the care that I had gotten and how helpful it was for me in getting resolution in my case and for making me feel cared for during the process, I thought it shouldn't matter whether you're raped in Birmingham or Detroit or Miami or L.A. Everybody should get the same standard of care. If you're going to lay there and submit to a two to three hour rape kit, which is humiliating, they're taking pictures of you, they're poking you, prodding you, scraping you, all in the wake of the most horrific, intimate, violent encounter, you deserve to have that kit tested. Yes. You're not just doing it because you want to get back at somebody. You're not just doing it. That Oh, I bother. If it's not going to be tested, it sits on a shelf. Right. And so when I learned that a lot of times it's up to the discretion of the police, whether or not they even hand over that kit to the lab because they don't like the way your skirt looks or they said you were drunk or you really? know, it was a, a husband-wife situation. Um which you say the majority is, is spousal rape? Um, and, not, not necessarily and spousal, date rape. but date rape, acquaintance rape, somebody who you meet in a bar. Not to say a large percentage isn't stranger rape, but the majority of what you see. But so what happened was I advocated for a bill in Washington, D.C. And once that bill was passed um, unanimously in the, in the um, Congress 2013, I started advocating here in Florida. I saw um, that. We wanted an, an inventory done here in Florida. How many kits do we even have? And the answer was 13,400 oh. untested kits in the state of Florida. And that law passed unanimously, signed by Governor Scott. Um, and then, yeah, and then we moved on um, to drafting House Bill 636 to test not only these backlog kits, but moving forward, let's put something in place that says we have to test every kit. Because you know what? Every kit counts. Every kit is somebody's story. And you're doing a disservice to the person who has just been through a horrific experience if you pass judgment on that kit without thoroughly investigating. How's the three-year-old? She was three at the time. How did she recover from all of that? Does she go into therapy? Yeah, we all have been in therapy. Um, you know, it affected everybody in my family differently. My, uh, my beautiful three-year-old girl is now just started her freshman year at LSU, and I'm going to see oh. her tomorrow. <laughs> Way to go. And, um, yeah, and it was, you know what? It was really hard. She had a really hard time growing up, um, forming intimate connections. It's, she never lets me hug her. Um, she just can't be close to people. And she, you know, she's had a very, very rocky road. In fact, I wasn't, yeah. Oh, it, she has proud. a great mother. We're very proud of her. Very strong mom. But, uh, Your opinion of 
all of this uh, being a rape survivor and, you know, an advocate for tougher laws and testing rape kits and women coming forward. We only had 704 women come forward out of what, 4,000 in Palm Beach County. But if you look at the average person in Palm Beach County, when something happens to them now, are they going to say, look at all the uproar that's going well, on we, in the we media? We went from we don't believe you to we believe everybody. And you're saying they don't test rape kits because they don't believe you. I, I just, but now, now as a, as a state, we've taken a stand on that. And we say, you know what? You submitted to a rape kit and you went through all this. Thank you for giving us your story in an envelope. <laughs> We're going to test what's in this envelope because we respect you and we respect what happened to you. We respect your story. If it's proven to be untrue down the road, then, that's one thing. Yeah. But we're not going to start out by saying, hmm, let's not do this because your skirt was too short, because it was your husband, because you were, you were drinking yeah. that night. Because when you go at somebody like that, it makes their healing even worse. It, it pushes them back so they feel like they can't come out for another five years, another 10 years, another 30 years. First go to the police, though, is what you said. Yeah. If something were to happen to you here in Palm Beach County, it's really important um, that you notify authorities. Now, I know from the women that I've talked to and the work that I've done that it's not always possible. You might be in an intimate partner situation where you don't want to report and have that person arrested. But you need to reach out either to law enforcement or by calling 211, which is you know the county helpline. Julie Weil, I love you. Uh, she lives in Jupiter. She is uh, started the Butterfly House. What's the contact there? Notjustmefoundation.org or Palm Beach County Victim Services. Not just me. Okay. Thank you so much for you. your input today. Thank we really so appreciate it. So that's your story. What elements jump out at you, Jen? Oh, I think the mere fact that this went on all day, they couldn't find her. You know what? In today's technology, I think with the cell, with cell phone technology and you can ping everything as long as your cell phone's on, I think someone probably was looking for this woman, and her this husband. Was, yeah, this was 2002. Yeah, so I would think that maybe today they have the technology, number one, that they would be able to ping her cell phone and at least find her because her husband had to be looking for her. And the kids, and right. And the kids, right? You just don't disappear. So they would have put an APB out and I think they would have found her and possibly caught this guy right away, which would have been nice. She she had been talking to a friend in the parking lot. That friend left. So he was just waiting for everyone to leave. What a jerk. So she's taken martial arts and she has helped pass legislation nationally and in Florida to get these rape kits tested. And fortunately... Her rape kit was tested right after her rape, and they found this guy that raped her, Michael Siebert. He's serving seven life sentences, but she wow. was lucky because it was tested fairly quickly, and there was no backlog, and there were three other rape cases that it connected hers to. Wow, this guy was just a serial rapist then, huh? And you was- wonder how many other women there were. So not that every rapist would ever, but what's the stereotypical rapist? You think of some scary guy, right? Right. This guy's like a good looking white guy with four kids and a family. His wife works in the church and his father's AT or his, uh, his mom works in the church and the father's ATF. How about the BTK killer? Yeah. How about him? Same thing. Just, what is it with these people that work in churches? Now you got me worried. Very strange. Oh man. So she said that... <laughs> This is so weird. Her rapist drove her back to the neighborhood that was across the street from her mother's house and raped her again. This is after the Everglades. 
this is really chilling. And she says, I could see my mom's car in the driveway. Oh, my goodness. Of the house I grew up in. Now, did he know that? I don't know. She was so close. She says, and I could, couldn't get to her. Oh, my God. How horrific is this? So it makes me remember, Jeez. if you go back on our podcast to The Accuser, I wrote the book, The Accuser. and right. Cheryl Arujo, she didn't even tell her mom about the gang rape on the pool table at Big Dan's Tavern until three days later, and I've got the audio of that. But also remember, her rapist got six years each. This guy got seven consecutive life terms. He should have been killed. No offense. I would have given him the death penalty. But For something like that, he needs to be taken off the street. And I don't care what this guy, you know, on, on our regular show, when we do our morning show at 850 WFTL, every time there's a story about a rapist, I will tell you, and I have spent a great deal of time with the people at the National Missing and Exploited Children's Center, that there is no rehabilitation. I don't care. And, and if you're listening, mister, who sends me letters all the time that you can rehabilitate these people, oh, you're, right. you're full of crap. I know who you're Because about. they cannot be rehabilitated. But in terms of, you know, Cheryl's, the six years each, and this guy gets consecutive life, do you think those rapists were given enough time? No, or what, not that at was all. A different, no. no, not at all. They should have been locked up and the key thrown away. Yeah, well, that didn't happen. But if you want to read the book, theaccuserbook.com. But anyway, every rape kit is now processed and the results are entered into CODIS. And that DNA can be a key to catching a serial rapist as long as these if they're tested on time it took six months to catch this guy so every wow. morning she woke up terrified because he took her license he knows where she lives that may have been how we got to in front of her mom's house somehow so she true. might have, right so while runs a non-profit now the not just me foundation funny is that she started it after 2002 not just me me too wow yeah i think it's pretty cool it's pretty neat she provides toothbrushes and a change of clothes for survivors who visit the Butterfly House. So you really got to give her credit for taking something absolutely horrific. And turning it around for turning a Turning it around. And 85% of sexual assaults go unreported. Did you know that? I would think a lot of people, well, they probably rape by people that they know. Yeah. In many cases, women are raped by their husbands. Or boyfriend. Or boyfriend. Or date rape. Or date rape. Yeah. And then you're embarrassed about it. That's right. So they don't report it. Yeah. I mean... Because traditionally, what okay, the the accused is a prime example. They blamed her. Oh my God! They ran her out of the state of Massachusetts down here to Florida, where she ended up dead. And that's usually that's all women see is okay. If I go and I report a rape, then then they're going to put me on. Then I'm on trial. Then they go through every guy I've ever been with, I've ever slept with, where party yes. did I ever go to? They destroy your reputation. So I can understand why women are apprehensive about coming forward. Patty Bowman with William Kennedy Smith here in Palm right. Beach. Remember, she they lost. told how many abortions she had. Right. That she, you know. Well, I don't even. They want destroy. To go there. They destroy your life. They to they totally did. So it, 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 I can't. They need to stop that. They need to stop making the women the problem. You well, know. Now, since me too. <laughs> now it's we believe everyone. You know, if you get in a wreck and you go to the police, they'll say, "Oh yeah, you got in a wreck." But you get raped, you go to the police and you say, "I got raped," and they're like, "Well, we'll check it out." <laughs> Yeah, they you don't know, believe you. They don't believe everybody that comes forward. Well, you know, it's that she was old, allegedly right. It's that it's that pendulum situation where now the pendulum has swung totally the opposite way. Yeah, so now, now all you got to do is accuse, and the guy's going down. The court of public opinion right. takes care of it, and he loses his job, his reputation's destroyed. Whereas before, everybody in the world could have told you this guy's an idiot. He raped me. He got me in the bathroom. He did this, whatever, and people go, "Oh, you're lying." 
So somewhere along the line, it's gonna be things, it corrects itself. So I would say within the next couple of years, maybe it'll get corrected. Well, it was so weird with this. He had shaved his body. He made her swallow anything oh, DNA-wise, except when she went to the ATM, she got some on her T-shirt. So she was really smart. Good girl. She got him. And, well, then she thought she was dead in the van, and she passed out. She was so scared. And the daughter wakes her up. That's the thing. The three-year-old daughter, no one wants to hug her. I mean, she doesn't want to be hugged. She doesn't want to be touched. She's been affected by this. How could she not? Her entire life. That's horrible. Yeah, this guy deserved to die. I don't think uh, sending him to prison was enough. And that's funny because Cheryl had a one- and three-year-old at home. And that's what really makes this egregious is that the kids were there and watched the whole thing. No, that's the one-year-old, not so much, but the three-year-old. Yeah, that's, that's horrible. Yeah. You just can't un, unremember uh, that. Evil on two legs. Like I said, seven prison terms wasn't enough. Yeah. I'd put a bullet in his head. So, yeah, I don't know if rape is a capital crime or not. Some, I guess, rape and murder is, but not no. rape. You have to kill somebody. Unfortunately not. <laughs> well, our hats go off to Julie Weil. She is one special woman. We really thank her for her time. It takes my breath away, the whole story. But thank God this guy's off the streets. And the daycare rapist, that was his name. He would go to dick. Okay, this is this how bad is, is that? Okay, this is another thing. That's because they're putting kids in car seats. Right. Well, I get news. I'm telling you, putting kids in car seats. If you if you listen to this podcast, and and I say it almost every single show that we do, when you're putting your kid in a car seat, just be extra extra careful. If you got to stop and look around every three seconds, then do it because that's when you're the most vulnerable. Your back's to somebody. They can just come up from behind you like this guy did and smack you in the head, done. You're, Pushed her in the van, and kicked the daughter in the van. Oh, it's horrible. Turned up the radio because they were screaming. Oh. But what do you call it, spatial awareness? Yeah. Yeah, just be aware Make of your sure surroundings. Of it was but funny. Jen, she's at a daycare at a Presbyterian church. It doesn't, I mean, it doesn't matter where you are. You know, people are evil. And if you're evil, they look for the perfect opportunity. Yeah. And where else would you not be suspect to thinking that I'm going to get in any trouble at church? You kidding me? No. After that, then you feel like you're not safe anywhere. Take self-defense classes. She did. Carry mace. Right. Or carry a gun. Learn how to shoot. Here she is. She's putting the kid in the car, just like the woman in the town center mall. And there's a gun against the kid's head. You don't have time to get your gun. Right. Unless you have it in a holster on your hip. You just, in many cases, it's just, it's just spatial awareness. Know what's going around. I'm just saying. Wow. That wraps up this disturbing episode of yeah, Full Rigor. We, you know, in the future, could we have like a happier one? Well, the, I did the whodunit at the Breakers as a little... Uh, okay. We need to throw in a I'll few, need to a throw few in more a of these. happy thing. Because I leave, I get depressed. And then I think about this all day. <laughs> Just saying. I'm sorry, Jen. <laughs> I still love you. I love you more. That wraps up Full Rigor. And until next time, thank you, Jen. Thank you, Karen.